Welcome to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. Paul, the grapes are on the vine. There's the smell of harvest in the air. You know what that means? Yes, Rick. It's harvest time. Well, yeah, sure, yeah, whatever. I mean, but, uh, you know, it's but more important in the wine world than the millions of tons of grapes and the millions of bottles of wine. Yeah. We're starting our fifth season, Paul. Holy, is it really been five years? Mm. That would explain why the police are outside the door. I think those are the good taste police, so that's probably it. <laughs> I wonder why they're coming now. You'd think they'd have been here about four and a half years ago, uh, yes, wouldn't they? Well, I, not many people listen to us, so I think that's why they haven't figured it out. But you know what, Rick? That means this is our fifth anniversary. Yeah? And I've brought you a little gift. And what is that? Well, you know, the fifth anniversary is wood. So I have brought you a stick. Oh, good. Something to chew. <laughs> I appreciate that. I'll go, I'll go chase that around the yard. <laughs> All right. Well, Excellent. it is harvest season, so we are going to talk a little bit about what goes on in the vineyards and, and what why harvest really is pretty cool. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Also today, Liz, listeners ask about old vines, whether refrigerating open red wine affects it, and what direction a swirl in the southern hemisphere. Excellent. Plus, our horrible wine writing is particularly pungent, and as usual, we'll be making fun of wine snobs. Yep. But before we get along, too far along, we need to thank Capital Public Radio for sticking with us all this time. National Public Radio's station for Sacramento, and you'd think with all the great programming they'd have, they'd run away as fast as they could from us. Yeah, there we are, and they're recommended. a special recommended podcast lineup. Thank you, Capital Public Radio. And we're also still on uh, Napa Broadcasting. You'd think they would know better, Paul. They are an institution of higher learning. That's Napa Valley College, where I teach. Well, so, <coughs> which goes to show their lack of judgment. So maybe that's why we're on there. <laughs> there you go. Uh, and being the cutting edge guys we are, it only took us 18 years, but we finally moved into the 21st century. And we now have pages on Facebook and Instagram. And we are on Twitter at Rick and Paul Wine, as we are with everywhere. And you can go there anytime, ask us a question, maybe even a better place to go and ask a question because you don't have to tell us. Uh, well, actually, if you would tell us your city, that's good, too, because yeah. that way we can uh, we can have people shame you by knowing that you actually listen to us. <laughs> uh, and by the way, speaking of liking us, uh, whether you do or don't, I'd go with the do and uh, review us on iTunes, if you don't mind. We could yes. use the help. And, and do it quickly do before it. you hear the rest of the show. Yeah, yep. that way you might think we actually do a good show. Uh, so, and uh, one more thing on our favorite subject, us. Us. Uh, we're all welcoming a new producer and engineer in the booth this season, uh, Devin Cortan. Devin, thanks for sticking in or coming in for us. Thanks, Devin. Our good friend Matt Piscini is spending his free time writing movie scripts. So Devin is taking care uh, of us. He's uh, He's got putting us up with us. He's bleeping you, Paul. He doesn't have to beep me. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we figure he'll find something better to do pretty darn soon, too. So hang uh, hang in there while you can. Yep, but we won't blame you when you leave, Devin. All right. And one more thing, too, Paul. Uh, actually, uh, today, if anybody is listening to this on Thursday the 6th, I think that is. Yes, it is. Uh, Paul will be teaching a class later today at the L.A. County Fair at the— uh, the In the Wine Pavilion. In the Wine Pavilion, yep. where yep. I suspect they have wine. Um, it's it, One of his subjects is going to be wines to order that you would never occur to you to order. Right. Which we think we we're actually going to do a show about. So Sometime, if you yeah. guys, if somebody's out there can't make the, uh, the Paul at the, at the LA County Fair, listen to us sometime soon. Yeah. And, and we'll do a show about that. We'll do a show about that. Yeah. Right. It's fun down there. It's, it's a whole room full of people who love wine and I get to talk and drink. Yeah. We, uh, we have a room full of people, at least two of them, uh, who love wine. <laughs> it's a small and, room. And we're going to talk. So let's talk <laughs> a little bit about 
harvest because it is the it is a really key time in the wine business. It's a cross between finals and the prom. Well, you know, I, a friend of mine who's a really top-notch winemaker in Napa Valley says that he gets paid a lot of money every year to make one decision. When to pick. When to pick the yep. grapes. You pick them too soon, you got to fix that. You pick them too late, you got to fix that. But if you pick them exactly at the right time, the rest of it is pretty easy. And of course, it's easy for him to say he makes the decision. Then there's the actual work of all the people running out there right. picking. It's incredibly hard work. And then they come into the winery. And grapes and wine do not move at a human calendar. The grapes and wine don't work nine to five hours. It's really long hours. It's a lot of work. Yeah. And, you know, before we talk a little bit about what goes on there, because it's pretty cool. One point, too, is that uh, two or three or ten great winemakers will all have a different opinion of when the perfect time to to pick is. Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's not it's not so simple as the sugars are right, the acids right. It's also about flavors and everybody's right. looking for something slightly everybody's different. Everybody's looking for something exactly what they want and right. obviously, Rick, what you want is different from what I want, so we'd make I different decisions. I want the decisions. good stuff. Yes, uh-huh, good. <clears throat> and yeah. you want the Paul stuff. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but the other thing that um, that a lot of people, I think, are, are a bit surprised at is, is one, how early they start and then how early they end on any picking day. Well, the, the thing is, that you the temperature control is really critical. That's right. the reason they start early. Is temperature control? And it's controls. not the workers, although that is part of it. No, but, no, no. It's the grapes. Yeah. Uh, and in fact, I know wineries in warmer regions where they actually pick uh, the grapes and then bring them into the winery and immediately put them in enormous uh, cold rooms to try to bring the grapes back down to the temperature they want. Normally, you never want a grape to be more than about seventy-five degrees, and that's for red wine. Yeah. For white wine, you'd prefer them down at fifty, fifty-five. 60. And obviously, it's September. It's warm in California at times. And so their goal is to get those grapes in as soon as possible. Some folks even have taken to picking at night to yeah. try to keep the temperature Yeah, that's down. A, lo- a lot of them do, uh, right, with headlamps and yeah, yeah. that are done by sun, especially in warmer regions. Yeah. And one of the things that happens is that grapes actually, the sugar levels rise during the day as yes. as the temperature gets warm. So if, yep. they, if they have that target, like your winemaker friend, his target... You know, it's going to ch- the grapes will actually change. Right. Well, of course, one of the things that any good winemaker does is take a, an estimate there and say, well, they're almost there, but if we wait another day, they're maybe past that point. So let's start picking later tomorrow morning, and I think we should be good. Right. So, yeah, absolutely. And then another thing, too, is simply the texture of the grapes for, um, in some cases, especially if the grapes have to be transported any distance and they are not cold. Think about any piece of fruit that gets a little warm, it gets a little soft, gets a little beat up. Up. And yeah. in fact, in the case of wine, uh, grapes will actually start fermenting right. almost immediately. Right. They, almost. In fact, they in love fact, to ferment those yeah, grapes. That's right. That's, that's what they do best. <laughs> so for them, it's it's party time. <laughs> fermenting away. So, and then you know, and if uh, for anybody anywhere near wine country, thinking about going to wine country, you have. Uh, probably about a month here um, where a lot of this activity is going on and it's a fun thing to see. It's not, I'm going to, it's even, it, it's, to me, it's even a fun thing to smell. Yes. Oh, because gosh, as yeah. you yeah, are yeah, yeah. driving up in the valley, you can actually smell the fermented must. You can smell, and it smells different from place to place. It's yep. it's really kind of cool. Yeah, it's it's true. You know, Paul lives in Napa Valley. I work in Napa Valley, and and it, it is really this time of year. It just smells great everywhere. I love riding my bike. You go down in a little valley. It's a little cooler. You get up on the hill. It's a little warmer. You can literally feel the microclimates, and then the smells come wafting. 
to you from the different wineries. Yeah. It's magic. And, and Paul starts dreaming and crashes into a tree. So be no, careful if you see him yet. out there. Yep. Not yet. Yeah. Um, and and the other thing too, if you if you get to visit uh, this time of year, is uh, try to go to a place where they'll let you uh, both sort of listen to the grapes fermenting because they actually make noise. They gurgle. They sound a lot. They like snap. Us. They crackle. They pop. They sound a lot like us. Uh, they are far more, more articulate than we are, Paul. <laughs> um, yeah, but it, there's, a, there's a gurgling sound. In fact, before people really knew how to make wine or why wine was, what it did, what it did, they just knew that that gurgling sound meant the grapes were fermenting. Right. And when it stopped, it meant they were done. Yep. But the other thing, yep. too, is to, is to taste, if they'll let you, uh, the ba- baby wine. The right? baby wine. It's yep. so sweet. Uh, the grapes off the vine are like 50% sweeter than table grapes. Yeah, table grapes are about 15% sugar and wine grapes are about 25% yep. sugar. So if you think of those 50%, but So you think yeah. of those nice sweet grapes you buy in the store and then multiply the sugar by yeah, more than more than 50%. It's it, pretty amazing. It tastes like the best slushy you'll ever have. I was I was actually <laughs> on a tour with a group and somebody was tasting that wine and talking to the tour guide and going you guys should sell this stuff. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Well, a few wineries do. I know Navarro up in Mendocino County yeah. oh, smells sells an the, yeah. unfermented Gewürztraminer grape juice, or at yeah, least yeah, they yeah. used to. Yeah, yeah, and no. and and then what what happens is uh, the, uh, there's pressing, and we've will without giving you know the master's class of how how to make a a grape turns into wine, but because we couldn't teach that anyway. Yes, neither one of us are masters. Right. Um, right. A miners class, maybe. <laughs> a uh, miners. Yes, um, but uh, what the other thing that happens is that there's just lots of wine moving around in a winery, and that's sort of fun too. They're you know racking, which is basically taking the wine out of the tanks and putting it into barrels, or taking right. one barrels into another, right. and it's just yep. lots of activity. And and one of the management issues for any winery is often just getting the right the tanks empty at the right time and sure. the barrels empty, and yep. Yep. Um, and so you know it is uh, it's sort of this long. Uh, uh, it's a logistical nightmare, and it's an enormous amount of labor, and it's an enormous amount of uh, dedication from these people, and I'm sure glad they do it instead of us. I, I was saying it's like mousetrap the game. <laughs> if you just try to get that little cage to drop right on top. Okay, good. All right. Well, uh, since we've uh, – uh, speaking of mousetraps and cages dropping, I think it's time for us uh, – To drop a few cages? Drop a few questions. Okay. Uh, so you are, uh, of course, listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. And we will take a few questions from listeners. We've already listed all those places, but I'm going to list them again where you can actually ask us a question. So that is at our website, rickandpaulwine.com, the appropriate uh, order, and ask us a question there anytime. And, yep. Uh, we will we will answer it as best we can, which is not to say well. Which is not very well. No. 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 All right. So our first comes from Elise in Santa Barbara. And Wine country again. She says yeah. – we were wine tasting, and one winery bragged that everything was harvested by hand. And then the next bragged that their mechanical harvest machines were gentler than hand harvest. Which one is better? Yes. Yes. That's the answer. <laughs> and the answer to that question is yes. <laughs> uh, well, ju- following our previous conversation, one of the things that you can do with a machine harvester that is much easier uh, than with hand harvesting is picking at night. Uh, right. It's actually much easier. There's also, you know, the the... The initial or original machine harvesters were not nearly as clever and selective as the ones that they're using today. Uh, the ones they're using today, the, the old ones used to knock the grapes off the yeah, vine. Yeah, they used to have like they. Some do have sort of big rods, but now it's, they're much more generally actually kind of whack the grapes. And these days, a lot of them actually take the vine and kind of shake it, which means the only grapes that fall off are the ones that are perfectly ripe. 
The ones that are ready to go. And so a hand picker picks the whole bunch, sometimes getting green grapes, sometimes getting raisins in the same bunch. But a machine picker will only pick the perfect grapes, theoretically. On the other hand, um, hand picking is more gentle. Um, and it really depends. I think it's possible to make really good wine either way. Uh, I think it's funny that wineries think this is the most interesting thing in their entire process that they could talk about when they could talk about things that matter much more to the wine than whether they're picked by hand or by machine. Well, I, I think it's sort of – I mean I understand why they would talk about it. Certainly um, there's, there's a tendency to want to brag about anything you do by hand. For example, sure. in case anybody didn't we know – We make this show by, by hand. By hand. We actually, do. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and so there's one right there. Uh, <laughs> but if you're a, a winery and it's harvest season and people see these machines around, right. you need you need to you need to they unfortunately feel like they need to explain it away. Right. So they right. need to talk about But it's it. ironic that they will they will talk about those machines and then and or or the people who hand harvest will then also show people all their tanks. Tanks are not interesting. Tanks are boring. Yeah, tanks tanks are seem industrial and they'll still show them the tanks and talk about the tanks too. Yeah. Well, I just I'll say if this. they had a tractor, they'd probably talk about the stupid tractor. I, I will say this: the very first time I saw wine tanks, you know, this was a few years ago. It and, was, uh, yeah, it was quite a few years it was, ago, right? Uh, it, was, <laughs> it was back back in uh, 1842. <laughs> uh, they were still it making was in the laboratory at Louis Pasteur. <laughs> yes, that's right. Um, and it was kind of cool. It was kind of cool. Kind of cool. You know, the second you know, tank. Got I always a little remember more the fact than the first that tank. When I was seven, I got a pretty good report card. Really, the only good one I got. Um, and they gave me a free tour of the Coca-Cola bottling plant because oh. I got such a good report card. You know, the bottling plant at a Coca-Cola plant looks an awful like the bottling plant at any winery. And yet every winery shows you that like it's something special. Yeah. And that was also back in the 1840s. Yes. Um, did they give you free samples of the Coca-Cola? They gave me a ruler. Well, there that you said go. Coca-Cola. He on still it. uses that ruler to this day. <laughs> uh, so yes, uh, about, although I don't know, I think tractors are cool. <laughs> okay, so at least the real answer is they're both good. It just it depends on the grape and the it wine. It depends a lot more on the guy making the decision than it does on the actual yeah. technology. Yeah, and it's actually more important when they picked them. Than when they picked they them did. and what they did with them after they picked them. Right. Yep. So this is uh, from— So we didn't answer that question no. at all. Well, the answer is yes. Okay. I said yeah. right yeah. at the beginning. Yeah. Which I one's said better? Yes. Yes. Okay. All Good. right. So this is from Bob in Sparks, Nevada. Which is, by the way, not wine country. It is not wine country. No, no it's not. Uh, so uh, Bob says, we love red wine, but oftentimes cannot finish a whole bottle at in, in a night. Which I am with you, Bob. Bob, Bob I don't, this is not making any sense to me. <laughs> you have an open bottle of wine, and there's some left at the end of the night. I— no. I can't get my head around it. Every night at our house, Bob. All right. So, Bob, continuing on, says, but we've, what we've been doing is putting the cork back back in the bottle and refrigerating and pouring a glass the next night and microwaving for, for six or so seconds. <laughs> Does refrigerating a red wine like this for one or two days pose a problem? My taste bud says it's okay the next day. I was just curious as to the technical aspects. So first of all, if your taste buds are telling you it's yeah. okay, it's okay. That's okay. Second of all, I wouldn't even bother with the microwaving. It'll warm up warm up just fine in a glass. Hold the glass in your hand for 30 seconds. It'll warm up just fine as well. Rick, you and I talk frequently on the show about the fact that most people drink their red wines too warm anyway. Right. 
Um, I think Bob's doing an absolutely perfect job with this. All he needs to do, though, is save the six seconds of microwave radiation and just warm it up in his hand. It'll, it'll do just as well. Although, if you can't wait six seconds, go for it, too. The other <laughs> the other option is pre-oven 450. <laughs> you know, my wife worked at a really top-end restaurant in France, and they used to pull bottles. The customer would order a bottle, and, of course, the seller was freezing in France. Yes. So they'd bring the bottle up, and they'd just stick it on top of the oven for about five minutes and warm it up till it was chambre brought to the room of the the, the room temperature yeah. and then they'd serve it so if it's good enough for the french it's good enough for you bob yeah and actually um the real answer is refrigerator is better than not refrigerating and we have talked about this yes. in the past that uh and i have did a story one time and so i've repeated this experiment where i had you know wines uh, half opened wines and let me tell you not finishing the bottle it was rough that was on the me. hardest it part was of that it was rough it was but i managed i managed to fight through it yeah and uh, it helps if you start with three bottles was, no i needed like eight or ten so there'd be some <laughs> left over um and what we and basically we i tried both cork and you know the, where you pump the air out with a right. little rubber stopper yeah. but with white wine red wine in and out of the fridge of yeah. both of those closures and one thing i found was all of them were always better overnight in the refrigerator. Yeah. And that's one of the things with restaurants, and we've talked about this in the past too, sometimes yep. you see where they store the wine overnight outside the Out restaurant. on the counter. And, and yeah. it's going to oxidize much faster or just go a little sour or something's going to happen to it. Just, well, it's warm. And, yep. It's warm. And, and warm isn't good for wine. So, yeah. So when in doubt, the refrigerator actually is is the good move. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then the microwave is your choice. Although, you know, you're going to take grief from some wine snob, but don't let them, don't let them do that to you. Don't let them do that to you. Okay, well, that is it for questions for now. We will have more in just a bit. You are listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and you know what's coming next? Some really horrible wine writing. Oh, boy. Ah, I love that music. It just makes me so yeah, sad and happy at the same <laughs> he time. He dances in his chair. I do, I do. All right, Paul, so what do you got? So here's a blogger who I think, I think what this blogger did was rather than write anything original— um, just copied exactly what the winery said. But here's what... Well, you know, was, that's going to be good. Here's what was said. Grapes for this 2015 were sourced from vineyards in Mount Veter, Coombsville, Oak Knoll, and other prime locations throughout Napa Valley. A blend of 92% Cabernet Sauvignon, 6% Merlot, and 2% Petite Syrah that's beautifully balanced, aged in a combination of French and American oak, this 2015 is crafted to yield an intense, deeply colored line, wine with concentrated aromas and flavors. I wonder what it tastes like. I wonder, yeah, other than other than the blend, there is absolutely no information at all right. other than comes from Napa is a 2015 and it's a blend of three grapes. Yeah. And, you know, there's a couple of words that that, you know, are clearly marketing words um, yes. that a regular person wouldn't say, which is among other prime locations and crafted to yield. Crafted to yield yes. an intense, deeply colored wine. Yes. 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 We craft this show. Don't we? It is deeply colored. <laughs> And certainly it's intense. And by the way, our aromas are pretty concentrated, too. <laughs> oh, boy. That's why nobody else is in the studio <laughs> exactly today. Exactly right. All right. So, uh, so okay, I, so what do you have? I, I mean, have that's, one, just ba- that's just nothing. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. right. Okay. Somebody thought what they were do you helping. Have? So I have one of those annoyingly uh, sommelier exam kind of descriptors, um, which does – 
you know, it always starts with in the glass. In the glass. Which, you know, like, yes. of course it's in the glass. Wait, what is it like on the tablecloth? Well, it's stained. What is it like on yes. your shirt yes. when you spill it on That's your shirt? That's actually a, not a bad review. <laughs> on, okay. your sh- on your shirt, on your you shirt. S- quickly get soap. In the glass, an inky, opaque, blackish red color with fine ruby streaks going out to a deep reddish pink rim definition with high viscosity. I'm sorry. That is just so much garbage right there. Yes. Yeah. And, okay. In the glass, it looked red. In the glass, yeah. it's red. On okay. the nose, a lot of pungent notes jump out of the glass. Ooh, that would sound pungent dangerous. Notes, yes. Jumping out. Uh, but predominantly, and actually pungent is is not a compliment, and black fruit is not pungent. But uh, but predominantly black fruit character, not just, you know, black, black fruit, but black fruit character, with crushed black cherries, bramble, warm berry pie, warm blueberry pie, spices, licorice, pepper, and hints of coffee grounds, mocha, and dark chocolate over soft minerals. Soft minerals. Yes. I'm thinking talc. <laughs> I'm thinking it smells like talcum powder. Okay. Like a baby's bottom. Now we got something. We can go somewhere with this. Okay. Yes. And what do you have on the palate? Oh, of it course. keeps getting better. This wine makes an entrance. <laughs> it's wearing a gown. Ta-da! With a massive concentration of black peppered fruit, cherry crush, slow fruit, and loads of licorice-laden berries. Okay. So those are berries that are carrying licorice on their back. Licorice-laden berries. They have these little baskets, and they've got little <laughs> licorice right. sticks in them. That's, they sound tired. So, okay, so first thing is I had to look up slow berries. You know, Rick, this shows what a sheltered childhood you had, because you didn't learn about slow gin when you were in college. No, I do know what slow gin is. Well, I had my share of slow gin fizzes. Slow berries, and what do those taste like, Paul? Uh, they taste like slow <laughs> Turns out they're the smaller, sour sisters of damson plums. Yes, uh, a damson in distress. It also says they are the most feral of hedgerow fruit. <laughs> That's a great line. Now give me that line to sell wine. Yes. This I'm, wine is the most feral. Yes, I like that. Yeah. Uh, okay, good. It, it's basically it's basically a sour berry. Yeah. So it, this is... This is the thing where— There is one thing I really liked about what you said when you did your research on slow berries, which is that unripe slow berries are used to help in marking laundry. Yes, yes. <laughs> so the juice is used to, to, to write on the—I uh, love it. Uh, yeah. yeah, so that tells you on the shirt, this wine is going to have a long yes. finish. Yes, so by the way, if there's any slow berry in it, don't do not— Don't spill it on the tablecloth. All right, well— these are two pretty pieces of uh, pretty big, bad pieces of writing that we hate. But you know, Paul, there are things we love. Yes, there are. I love you so. so time for some stuff we love. So what is it that we're loving right now? Paul? Well, you know what I love, Rick, is every Hollywood movie about the harvest. Because you know what happens. Everybody gets up in the morning and they're picking grapes and they're laughing and they're dancing and they're singing songs. And the bluebirds are flying all day long. Yes. And then at lunchtime, mama comes out with huge plates of pasta and everybody sits down at a big table and they all eat together and they all tell each other how much they love each other. And Papa proposes a toast and everybody drinks wine and then they dance the night away. And Meg Ryan falls in love with Kevin Klein, who has a really bad fake French accent. Yeah. 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 Um, on the other hand, if you've ever have you ever picked grapes for money? Uh, no, I no. have. I've been wise enough not to do yeah, that because I don't know anybody who's done it more than once. 
that didn't have to do it for economic reasons. Yeah. It is brutally hard work. Absolutely. And the idea of going and sitting through a big dinner and then dancing the night away at the end of a day like that, no, 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 no. It's nap time. It's recovery time. There is one phrase in the wine industry that I love that captures exactly how much hard work making wine is during harvest, which is it takes a lot of beer to make good right. wine. That's right. It takes a lot of good beer to make great wine. That's yep. the, yeah, exactly right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so what it. I love is the, the myth yeah. that harvest is this wonderful party because it's the hardest work you'll ever do in a winery. Yeah. Although I'll I'll say it again though, if you are a visitor, it is kind of a it's a great party. time to visit because you don't have to pick the grapes. Yep, and, I know cellar and, workers who have literally fallen asleep on bags of unused corks in the cellar because they were too tired to drive home. They just crashed right there on the cork bags and got up the next morning and yeah. went right back to work. I'm sitting on a bag of unused corks right now. I'll bet you are, <laughs> <laughs> and I can tell you where you ought to put one of them right now. All right, well, before you do, <laughs> maybe we should go back and ask answer a couple more questions. And don't forget, you. there are many places to ask us a question now, including all of our social media spots and, of course, our website at rickandpawine.com. All right. This comes from Rob and Esther in Lincoln. Not far from here. Uh, I, I, I think I met Rob and, and, and Esther uh, from you? Lincoln. They are home winemakers. Oh, cool. Uh, yeah. Oh, cool. And But uh, they write, my wife and I are home winemakers. Well, there you go, Rick. Good, that Rick. was smart. Uh, what, what, You're should, a genius. Uh, yes, actually. <laughs> Where's that cork? <laughs> <laughs> I should read my own writing is what I should do. <laughs> my wife and I are home winemakers with 345 grape vines on our property. We have encountered everything growing and winemaking can throw at us. Yeah, good. One question perplexes us. Since we both okay. swirl our grasses of wine clockwise, should we swirl our glass counterclockwise in anticipation of our travels in the southern hemisphere? And actually, Rob and Esther, you got it backwards. Yeah, no, because in fact, what you're supposed to do in the southern hemisphere is turn your glass upside down and then swirl it. Yes, because, because you're on the other end. Gravity works different down that's there. That's right. Yeah, that's no, right. it's actually the other way around. Cl- counterclockwise is here. It's, in Northern you Hemisphere. You know what? It's all a bunch of hokum. Of course it's a bunch of hokum. <laughs> I'm just But saying. I like the idea of them turning their glasses upside down and then swirling the wine. Yes. Well, that's because you want the slow Just uh, don't use the, the, don't use the, in, the so, underripe slow so Robin, berries. Esther, uh, if you are going to try to stay in sync, just uh, know that you got the water going down the wrong direction of the drain. Um, but uh, I, the other thing to do is just shake it. <laughs> <laughs> now you'd have to shake worry. every bottle before you open yeah, it, and you it, should be good to go. That way, it doesn't matter what direction. Uh, that's All right. 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 I, 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 I do. I do like the image of them going yes. down there and, and asking. And I have to say, uh, uh, I met them, and they were lovely people. Yeah, they I'm were sure they are. They clearly they, and have they a... made good wine too. They were at the uh, the California State Fair Home Winemakers uh-huh. uh, uh-huh. Award ceremony, and and were the gold medalists got to pour, so they were gold medalists. Wow! And the wine was good. Cool. And, yeah. and they were well, very nice people. Well, and they get credit for going to the Southern Hemisphere and drinking good wines down there, too. Uh, have fun. Okay, and this is from Helen in Sacramento, and she says, what does old vine mean? What does it do to a wine? Well, Rick, being uh, the older of the two of us, you should answer that question. Yes. Well, I'm exactly old as an old vine. <laughs> <laughs> Which is indefinable. Yes. <laughs> there so, is no definition. Some appellations have adopted a definition for old vines, but each appellation that has done that has picked a different definition. So there's no official definition for what old vine is. Now, having said that, there is something that happens with old vines, which is much like people, they tend to produce slightly less over the years, but what they produce tends to be slightly more concentrated. Plus they wine more. Yes, Rick. At least you do. (laughs) So... 
it's really it becomes an economic decision. When do you eventually pull the vine because it's not producing enough, Rick? <laughs> and when do you leave it because what it's producing is really concentrated and juicy? And there are some uh, there are some grape varieties that uh, that do better as they age. Yes. Zin probably the Zin is most the best. known, yeah. and that actually has to do with a more complicated issue. But you know, most wines, most grapes are grafted. And in many grapevines, the ratio of growth between the rootstock and the budwood isn't quite isn't close enough. And as as they get older, they get weaker. Zinfandel, that graft is particularly synchronized. They do grow at about the same rate, and they last for a long, long and, time. And here in California, you will find uh, Zinfandel uh, vines that are over 100 years over, old. Yes, yeah. and yep. they're producing. And so, and, and, they, so, and yeah. So so fundamentally, the answer is there is no age. You know, if um, if you asked people in the business who were earnest about it, they would tell you at a minimum it starts at 30 years. Right. Um, and for Zin vines, maybe 50 years. Um, and, and and the concentration, there, there's some arguing about flavors too. Um, some say you lose some of the lighter fruit flavors because the right. grapes are, are a little dense. Yeah. Um, so that's the thing. It's kind of like Rick, a little dense. But uh, yeah, I've been, I've been dense for a lot of years now, Paul. <laughs> All right. Well, speaking of dense, this is uh, another round of dense bottle talk with Rick and Paul. <laughs> our producer is our new producer, our new shining star of producers, Devin Cortan. Thank you, Devin. Our associate producer is Jeremy, Mar- Jeremy Marin. Thank you to Capital Public Radio for the studio use and for including us on their podcast. Line Recommended up. podcast. Don't forget line. and like us on all those wonderful social media places, Facebook, Instagram, uh, yes. iTunes reviews, and of course, Twitter. Yep. And if you learned anything today, we hope it's that podcast listeners are very forgiving because we are still around. Oh, yes, we are. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. And remember, the best wines are the ones you drink with friends. Or with us. Especially us.